Welcome to this week's episode of Sharings with Shama. I am once again up early in my bedroom, going straight from bed to record this podcast. And uh, I find it so interesting that I really feel a calling to do it. I wake up and I just feel, oh, I want to share this. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for tuning in together with me. I am, for those of you who don't know me, I am a mom of four. I've lived a life that I sometimes I feel like I lived so many lives in this life. It's like I had several lifetimes in the same life. Um, so I am a mother of four. I'm an inventor, a creative person, and I kind of love to learn and grow and grow in insight and. I believe that life is a healing experience and whatever issues we struggle with is a challenge for us to grow. And I would say that my purpose to be here is to actually to share with you my own experiences to hopefully help you in some way with what you are going through. So yesterday I had a little poll, I did a little questionnaire of what you wanted me to share about. And one of the biggest um, topics or what I got the most um, questions for was anxiety, anxiety and fear. So today I want to dive into that topic a little. And I want to begin with saying that I am not a psychologist. I'm not a trained, uh, you know, uh, academic um, therapist or I am a trained counselor, a holistic counselor, and I'm not uh, working as that. Um, but I'm coaching a lot of women on my free time, uh, which I dearly love. And um, so whatever I say on this podcast, don't take it for a truth. It's just me sharing my experiences. So if you're looking for truth, like scientific truth and proof that something will work for you, I'm not your go-to place, okay? I just want to make that clear. <clears throat> okay, I want to start with reading uh, an, the, a definition of anxiety uh, found on the web. And it's not often that I find, uh, you know, definitions or explanations, uh, the scientific version, very helpful. But this time, I actually do think it's good. Anxiety. A feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. And two, this is very, very interesting. A strong desire or concern to do something or for something to happen. So, that's anxiety, and now we can... Stop. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so to me, anxiety, what is anxiety to me? I'm going to be completely honest. It's not so many years ago when I discovered that I suffer from it, that I have it. It was my, um, I so clearly remember it. I was sitting in the in my sofa, uh, year 2000 and nine I'm pretty sure can be 2008 also 
this is how certain I am. Okay, I'm sitting in, in the sofa and I, all of a sudden, I feel a rush of I'm going to die. Like, I re really feel I'm going to die. Like, there is danger, there is a threat in my body and I need to have some kind of relief, instant relief. I really, really panicked. Uh, I needed to call a friend. He came over and I literally lay in his lap him hugging me for more than an hour and I was crying, crying, crying in panic and I couldn't speak, I couldn't tell him what had happened and nothing actually had happened. This was the weirdest thing. Um, up until that moment, I've only broken down when something had happened and this time I was kind of in my bedroom with my thoughts, of course. I was surrounded by my thoughts and Suddenly, I panicked and I broke down. And for me, this experience, it was so, so terrible. And I, at an instant, I knew, okay, this is what people call anxiety. I got it. I got it. And then, which is also very, very strange, I began to have anxiety more or less every week, daily, something popping up, this feeling... Um, of fear. It was like, to me, anxiety is little doses of fear that kind of is dripping, 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 polluting my system. So this feeling of unease, of something, to me, anxiety is a feeling of a threat somehow. It's like, it's like you know the enemy's coming, they're riding closer, closer, and you feel it in your body. Okay, I gotta move, I gotta move. Something is not right, something is not right. And to me, anxiety is often, I would say, almost always triggered by thoughts. I know when I get anxious these days, it's um, because I am, it's often, in my case, triggered. I would say it's triggered in two, two, two ways. It's either connected to people or to events. That I have a, a feeling that something is going to happen or what if something is going to happen and I become anxious. The hardest part is that when I become anxious <clears throat> I is that you have this immediate you know, drive, you need to get rid of it. This, I can't, I can't be in this. I need to get rid of it. I need, I need it to stop. I need it to stop. And to me, the only thought that I can have to make it stop is for my desired, uh, you know, wish to come through. I want to know that the person I worry about is safe. Or I want that person I'm thinking about to call me now. Or I want this one, this person to, to hug me now. Or I want this event to happen now. It's really like anxiety is to me more or less the only destructive drive that makes me want to have release now. I want it now. I can't handle it. I just need to get out now. I need to jump off this plane. I need to touch down. I need to call this. I need to, you know, there is such a strong urge for it, for me to get rid of anxiety, which means that I think I desire the outcome so much.
I think that whatever I feel is going to give me relief. I I need it. It's, it's not that I desire it. I need it. It has to happen. And I need to manifest it. So to me, this is the hardest part with anxiety. It has this manifestation abilities. And it's a destructive ability. So here is when I... These days, I really need to understand. First of all, I need to understand why am I anxious? What's the original, you know? I'm going to talk a lot about the original wound, where we come from. And I know I have been anxiety-driven my whole life. The difference between now and then is that before, I always had escape routes. I had so many escapes, so many ways that I can run from anxiety and soothe myself. Now today I have almost nothing, which makes anxiety so much harder. And it's a healthy step. So uh, I'm going to get back to that. I would say that my own anxiety started. My original wound um, is that my dad... When I was, I, I think actually my anxiety started, began much, much earlier. When I was born, I wasn't welcome. I wasn't wanted. I was like an accident. My dad wasn't in hospital when I arrived. Uh, they had a really, really bad relationship. When he came, when he saw me, he wanted to give me up because I had four out of five signs that I was uh, mongoloid. I had my tongue out, I had like this um, hernia in my navel, I was very fat, and there was one other sign, I don't know what that was, if I didn't have any hair or something. Anyhow, my dad wanted to give me up, we, he said, we can't bring that baby home, and mom said, we are taking this baby home, so she did, and as soon as I got home, my sister, she climbed the wheels of the stroller, and she clawed my you know she put her uh, her hands on my face and she scratched it until I bled so that was kind of my welcoming into this world and I feel when I speak about it just by sharing this with you telling it I really feel like you know this somehow a relief it's a relief to say it and I also feel so much for this little baby how was it in the belly, you know, with mom and dad fighting and, you know, not being welcome and being an issue and being born, not being welcome. One, you know, 50% of the family wanted to give me up and then come home. And then another quarter of the family uh, really, you know, tortured me. So I think my anxiety started really, really, really early. Uh, they divorced when I was three. I didn't get to see. My dad just disappeared. Then we got to see him once a month, eventually after a year. And uh, that was like my dad to me. He was a once, once a month, you know, amazing experience. I really, really adored my father. And I wanted nothing but to live with him and his new wife. And, uh, and then he got cancer when I was 15. And then he died. So that's like a long story short of my original wound. And I'm telling you this because I feel it, this, this has really been what's 
my, my whole life has been about, more or less. So when I was three and we moved, I was left alone uh, once a week. I was four. Um, my sisters and my mom, they had activities, so they went um, and they left me alone for a couple of hours. I don't know how. The activity was like one hour, one hour and a half. They had to get there, had to get home, so maybe they were gone maximum three hours. But for a four-year-old, on these days, we passed a little supermarket on the way home. I got to pick a comic book and uh, a bag full of candy. And then uh, when they left, I took the, the, the comic and the candy and I climbed up in my bed. We had bunk beds and I was at the bottom. And I sat there reading, you know, and I was flipping the papers and... It was a Disney magazine, not like uh, Donald Duck or something. It was a Disney magazine with there were actually like quizzes and you know you could you could be creative and paint and stuff and and I was sitting there reading this, eating my candy, and then the candy was gone, and eventually the comic was gone. I needed to pee. I remember this. I needed to pee, and I didn't dare to get out of bed. I don't think I wet my bed ever, I can't remember that, but I remember this need to be not daring to go to the toilet. I never remember them coming home, so I guess I fell asleep. But to me, this connection of fear and worry and food and reading, that got to me. And uh, so my first uh, way to handle anxiety as a child was to eat and read. So when I was four, I could read books. I really, I mean, I could read r real books. Uh, I read Astrid Lindgren. Um, I read a book. I was way too tiny, like Mio Min Mio, Mio My Mio. I don't know what is in English, but maybe it's Mio My Mio. So I read, I began to read. My, my mom was an academic. My dad was an academic. They had like large libraries. And when I was around 10, I read everything. I read everything from, you know, sex novels to, to scientific um, research and to, to all the poets. And I was, I was actually quite brainy when I was around 10, 11. Um, at six, I could, you know, I couldn't name all the politicians in the government in what department they were in. And so I'd never been as bright as I was when I was six years old, I think. And I think I'd never been as interested in politics. So, so, I don't know if you can hear Henry. He's snoring here in the background. He's lying on my bed. Anyhow, anxiety. So this is the thing with anxiety. We are looking for a release, you know, how to get rid of it. And my began with books and eating... Later on, it was sports. Whenever I felt anxious, and for me it was a feeling of worry, and this worry was always triggered by not belonging, not fitting in, not being welcome, not being loved, always questioning my friends, my surroundings, can I be here, can I not be here, um, Am I? can I stay, do they really want me to stay overnight? And So when I grew up, I had, I would say I had two friends that I really trusted, they were super, super close to me, and the first one I knew since I was three, and the second one I knew since I was ten. And then I got 
more friends, but I can't say I trusted any one of them the way I trusted the two first ones. So I was quite a loner as a child, and I think anxiety... <clears throat> excuse me. This is so interesting. I'm alone in my bedroom, and my voice is very, very pressured. It's like I'm adding some kind of pressure on myself. But it's just me here. I mean... I can choose to cut this out of the podcast, right? Mm. I have a cup of tea here also, which is lovely. Apple cinnamon. Anyhow, uh, anxiety when I was a child. So sports for me, I ran a lot. I ran a lot. Whenever I got stressed or felt fear or worry, I ran a lot. I had one thing that was totally anxiety-driven, I pulled the toenails off my pinky toes. I could just, you know, pick and pick and pick on my toes until the nails came off and then I ripped them off and it hurt like fuck. And I felt this like, yes, finally, you know. Of course, my anxiety drove me to an eating disorder. It kicked in when my dad got cancer so when he was diagnosed with cancer, I began to eat in a different way. It's also, I'm not an expert in eating disorders, but I can totally see that, oh, sorry, I can totally see that it was so connected to the fear of losing my dad that I began to soothe myself. You know, before I ate a lot and I exercised a lot. I played soccer, I played basket, I played volleyball, I played bandy, I, I did the track and field. I had like at minimum two practices a day, often four, and then I had at least four or five games every week. From the years, say, from the years 12 to 16, something like that, those years. And when my dad got cancer, the eating became worse, and I added alcohol to the equation, which meant that I was now a person who could eat compulsively as a, we are talking like three pizzas or you know yeah minimum three pizzas um, you get very very skilled to know what can be easily thrown up how many hours do you need to have to be able to do this um, yes so I ate maybe for an hour and a half and then I need like 30 minutes to throw up and fix myself and then I needed to get to practice or to the game. So um, I was really, really terrible if I was drunk, if I was out drunk, and then I became anxious. I needed to eat in the middle of the night. If I had a boyfriend, he, he went to bed. I, instead of going to bed, I went into the kitchen, ate a lot, and then threw up, and then went to bed. It was like totally sick, insane years. I would say the years when my dad got diagnosed when I was 15 to the year he died when he I was 18 it continued the year 1920 or so but these years it was a nightmare and the basic drive in this whole thing that I was doing eating throwing up uh, you know playing football exercising drinking my total into total oblivion uh, back home eating throwing up sleep then get up 
be anxious. Okay, if I was lucky, I had a game in the morning, so I could go straight to that. But if I wasn't, I had to eat again. And if I did begin to eat breakfast, maybe anxiety kicked in because I was eating. And then I had to eat like the whole fridge and then go throw up. So it was a total nightmare. It it I it lasted for seven years, and it was all anxiety driven. This is really I have. So as my compassion for people who harm themselves, who cut themselves, you know, who have eating disorders, who have like, um, yeah, uh, who needs to exercise, who build muscles, and my compassion is, I think it's because you are me. I, I, I suffered from this seven years, and everything was around anxiety. Anxiety is like the trigger to go be destructive. And I would say that anxiety is behind our addictions. If it's food or if it's drugs or if it's alcohol or if it's sex, you know, it doesn't matter. There's this underlying feeling of fear, anxiety, and I need an instant release. You know, I need a relief, something to soothe me now. Therefore, I, I can still get super pissed, super, super, super pissed about people who treat other people badly. One of the worst addictions I feel is like the sex and love uh, addiction because you use other people. For those of you who feel you have it, I, I can relate. Of course I can. Of course I can. I have also used people... But I just feel like if if I cut myself, if I harm myself, if I drink, if I do drugs, it's between me and the substance and the behavior. I'm not directly involving another person. And to me, to use another person for sex or for fake love or, you know, for to just f- feel better for an instant for you, I feel this has to stop. Because the destructiveness in that circle really harms another human being. The alcohol doesn't give a fuck. The drugs, they don't give a fuck. You know, not even my toenails gave a fuck. I did. So maybe this is a podcast of its own to really talk about how we, how we, yeah, I think so, how we treat other people. And if we have an issue like this, we gotta work on it. We gotta heal. So as you can as you can see, my life has been, you know. And then uh, I met a man. I got pregnant. Even though I was pregnant, I had this bulimia, so I kept eating, throwing up until the very very last week, which I feel is like totally. How stressful is that to my baby? I mean, the anxiety that Rachel suffered from early, early embryo state. First three months I was drunk, didn't know I was pregnant. And then the next, uh, she suffered me and my anxiety and my compulsive um, throwing up, my bulimia. So I became sober overnight when I got pregnant. Uh, My anxiety did not leave me, not at all. So I just had to find other ways. I kept on eating, of course. I was compulsive in preparing for the baby. 
I made her clothes myself. I made her bed sheet, her all her linen. I did the decoration of the room. We got a little house. I made the whole house super pretty. You know, I, every day I was into. I was at IKEA, at least three times a week. IKEA was one escape for me. Uh, baking was another. Um, my sisters, when they came over, when I had like a christening of a baby or a birthday party or something, they watched the table, you know, to see how how many cookies were on the table, how much had I baked. They looked around in my home just to see how much new decoration, you know. So they kind of, they saw through me and they knew if I baked only three three different kinds of cookies, then I was pretty okay. But it was like 10, 15 different stuff on the table. Then they got really worried. So this is the thing also, anxiety, the ways we escape, we think we hide it from other people. But I can tell you, I can see through almost everything these days. It doesn't mean I go pointing fingers. It doesn't mean that I expose you. It means that I feel you and I understand that something really, really terrible happened to you as a child. Because this is my severe, uh, what do you say, conviction that anxiety is triggered in our childhood. It can, of course, be triggered when we are adult also if we suffer through uh, an extreme experience, traumatic experience. But um, I think most anxiety is triggered in the early childhood when we are like very, very, you know, if you think about the little baby, it's totally insecure, you know, it's totally innocent. There's no sh shield around the small child. Everything is so open, it's so vulnerable, and all it needs is love and care, you know. It needs to be held, it needs to be loved, it needs to be fed. It needs everything that is good and nothing that is stressful or evil. So if we just take a little break for a moment and pause and think about what happened to us as children. If you look at your childhood, if you go back and just feel into what happened to me when I was a baby, do I know anything about my childhood? How come I don't remember anything? Were they happy, mom and dad? Did they divorce? You know, a divorce is super traumatic for a child. So just let it sink in that whatever anxiety you suffer from, it has a origin way in the past. And the good part about thinking, you know, what caused this in the first place? Why, why am I like this? Why does this situation trigger me? Because this is also a thing. Anxiety, we are triggered by different things. It's not the same for everyone. Some people are super easily triggered. Some people, it takes a lot for them to suffer from anxiety. Some people suffer only together with a certain kind of feeling or event, like I have. Some people suffer a lot from, from every negative emotion from people. You know, you call some people super sensitive, high sensitive people. I don't know if I believe in high sensitivity. I think that's anxiety. I think that's anxiety kind of pouring, 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 pouring. And then it becomes like a state which makes you super sensitive because you're so kind of on alert. 
like you have your eyes wide open all the time waiting for this threat, you know. But that's my, my idea of it. Okay, so where are we at? We are anxious. We want a release from it often now because it's so uncomfortable. It's a little drop of fear coming, polluting your system. And it's not easy to snap out of. I can tell you that. Some people say, just, just snap out of it. Anxiety is nothing you snap out of. Anxiety, eventually, it leaves you without you doing anything. But you don't know why it left. And at times, you need to really, really work on it. So, how to handle anxiety... I'm going to be completely honest. It's really, really difficult. I'm not going to give you any kind of quick fixes or solutions. Say, just do like this and anxiety is gone and you will be happy ever after and never suffer from it again. Then you need to go see a therapist. Uh, I haven't done... I have done a lot of therapy, but I haven't done any therapeutic work on my anxiety. I worked on trauma healing and I worked on many, many different stuff. But my anxiety is kind of something that, what shall I say, it's a lifelong, for me, it's a lifelong learning. I need to, I need to test my wings here. When I, uh, the thing is that with anxiety, and now I want you to listen up, if anxiety becomes too much, if it, if it overwhelms your system, then we are going to a next level. And this level can be uh, lethal. I know that when my anxiety doesn't leave me, when it stays for too long, it becomes depressive. And when it becomes depressive and negative and my anxiety is high and my mood is going fast down, it's dropping then I need to be aware, you know. I need to really, really... So with anxiety, you can have it for a while if you have a good surrounding, if you are, if you have support. This is what I say, the, the best thing um, to, to get a relief from anxiety is to actually ask for help. You know, a cuddle, a hug to be close to people, someone who loves you, understands you, even if it's not the person who gives you anxiety, even if it's not the guy that you want to co to come into your life or who left you, or it's really, really good for your body and your nervous system because this affects our nervous system. We get elevated in a negative way, so we need to calm ourselves down. So those, what shall I say, standard procedures like a hot bath... To lie close to someone, I would say that to lie close to someone, even if it's not your beloved or, you know, to lie close to someone and be held in bed is very, very good. To be stroked. Um, I know a lot of people handle anxiety with doing things. To me, the only thing that gives me some kind of relief is that if I run, and uh, right now I can't run because I had knee surgery, so that's not an option for me. Uh, 
And uh, so I, when I, I have anxiety now, first of all, it's very important for me to know what triggers anxiety. And I'm going to be totally transparent with you. My original wound is my daddy. When I was, and he, you know, as you know now, he died. And um, like one year after he died, I tried to commit suicide the first time. It like my destructive life behavior. It took me down a path when I was so broken. I was super underweight. I was maybe, I don't know, 50 kilos. Uh, I lived together with a guy who was criminal, had a lot of criminal activities. And uh, I was threatened to life by one of his kind of, uh, I don't know, dealers or something. And that dealer, he ended up, uh, dead three weeks later I was living in a very very insecure situation my dad had passed away a year ago I was suffering from severe uh, bulimia I was drunk five times six nights a week and uh, one day I just felt I, I can't manage anymore so I tried to commit suicide but it was more like a cry for help I actually walked out to the ambulance when it came and, uh, you know, they didn't have to detox me or anything, but it doesn't matter. It was till I was 19 and it was connected to the loss of my father and not having any support. You know, when dad died, I went to school like normal. It was never a time off, never did any counseling, you know, nothing. I lived on my own. I moved when I was 17, so I had my own apartment when he died, and I was super lonely. So. so I would say that when I did this when I was 19, anxiety kind of pushed me there. So now I know <clears throat> that if my anxiety level goes up too much, I know my mood is going down, and I need to, you know, be aware. So for me, anxiety now is a calling it says, anxiety says, Shama, this is not the way. Whatever situation you find yourself in right now, with whatever people, who are you with, and so on, and places, this is not the way for you. you got to move. There's something in this situation that is triggering your anxiety, and you got to listen to that. So to me, anxiety is never a sign to continue to do what I'm, what's causing it. Anxiety is always a sign that something is not right. Sometimes it's an imagined threat. It's a recycled fear from the past. But often, in my case, it's a real thing happening. And nine times, if unless some, it's a worry for my children, then I would say it's always connected to a man. And my, when I was 26, I met, no, sorry, when I was 24, I met the love of my life as I see him. And we had a beautiful life. We got almost two years together and we were super, super in love. We had just decided to get married. He was a pilot. I was an air traffic controller. And then one Friday, sunny Friday in June afternoon, he didn't come home from work because he crashed his plane into the ocean. And that incident, when they came home, they came home to my apartment, they walked in, they knocked the door, then they walked in, seven, uh, one priest. It was like six 
militaries in full, you know, suit with all their medals and everything. And one of them was my friend, and he got to deliver the news. And I remember nothing after I began to scream. I was holding my son, Ludwig, on the arm. Rachel was, you know, between my legs, four and a half. He was two and a half. We'd just been to the beach, and they knocked on my door. Rachel opened the door, came running, said, Mom, Mom, it's Pelle. And I'm like, it can't be Pelle. They're having a party. And she said, it is Pelle. And I just like, okay. I went out into the hall, and they just walked in. It was like a full fucking parade, and they broke my, my life, our life totally collapsed and I have come to terms now that I suffer from severe PTSD untreated and that PTSD is triggered by love whenever I feel love towards a man whenever I feel emotions towards a man I feel this instant fear coming which means that I can have a total, total panic attack when I like a guy, which is super, super sad. And how to handle that? I mean, how how do you kind of, do you avoid love? And this is going to be a different podcast. But if I meet someone and I begin to relate and this person is not a really good person or he, everyone is a good person, but if he has really shitty behavior, you know, maybe he's, he, maybe he's an addict. Maybe he has 10 different women, except me. Maybe he's out drinking, you know. I don't have that lifestyle now. And whatever it is, it triggers me a lot. And anxiety comes. Now Henry is moving in the bed, if you hear a sound here. I don't know how to edit the sound. I'm counting totally on my friend Johan. Hey, Henry, Henry. Now he's making the bed. I'm sorry about this. Then I will have a cup of tea. Uh, so, so this I know that anxiety is actually triggered when I when I meet a man, and it can be low doses or it can be high doses. But almost all the time, when I like someone, then I become anxious, which is very very sad. I accept it as it is. I know my original wound, my daddy. I know that when Stefan died. I kind of, you know, this is still something that is very, very painful to me. So I have this deep understanding from where my anxiety comes from, which means that I can feel compassion towards myself, which means that I don't have to go destructive, you know. So when anxiety comes and triggers me today, thanks to me knowing why, having an understanding for why I feel the way I do, not thinking I'm a lunatic, I'm stupid, why do you, and this and that, and just snap out of it, or this causes or creates compassion for myself, which means I don't have to go destructive ways, and I can work good ways how to handle it. And when I say good ways, I am, sometimes I am being um, open here, Sometimes I do take an anxiety pill. If it's severe, I take one. Um, I've had a prescription of those from like five years ago or something, and I still have them. So 
eventually at times, maybe twice a year or something, I take one or two, maybe three days if needed. And it's the light kind. It's the one you get when you are um, when you are, have an allergy. So it's cal- it calms you down a little. I get a good night's sleep. My nervous system comes down, and then I'm better, you know, able to cope with this feeling. And then, of course, I need to handle the situation. I need to look into the situation. What is causing me anxiety? If this guy is causing me anxiety, is he my guy? Absolutely not. This is also one thing. Before, my fear of people leaving me, of, you know, losing love, made me hang on, hang in there. I left, you know, I lived in almost six years with an alcoholic. He gave me anxiety every day. He didn't come home. He was drunk. He didn't, uh, you know, the money was gone. There was always another woman. You know, there was something lingering in the background. There was always the next right thing happening. And the amount of anxiety I lived through six years, it was insane. And I'm never going to do that again. So I have to look at the situation. What's causing the anxiety here now? Is this a healthy relationship? No, it isn't. So then I have to walk away. It can be painful because I might love the guy, so it can be painful. And still, I walk away because I'm more important. I know that I can't live with anxiety because in my case, anxiety may lead to depression, may lead to suicide, and that's not the way. Sorry, Henry is now tapping the floor. He's walking. He says, let me out, mom, let me out. So... So there is one thing, if it's severe and I feel like, no, I need to bring this down fast, then I just take one anxiety pill. I don't know how much they help, actually, but they help me psychologically. I feel a bit like, okay, these are desperate times, you know, then we need for desperate solutions, so let's do it. And then, of course, I keep my routines, I pray, I pray for release of anxiety. I read my my lovely book, uh, A Course in Miracles. I exercise, you know, I eat well. I see to that. I hang out with friends. I exchange the person who causes me anxiety for some good people that I, I hang out with instead. I take long walks, you know. I do everything that everyone does, you know. Take a bath and... I really work my way out of anxiety and I need to work on my thoughts also. I need to realize that the thoughts that I'm going to die, if I lose this guy, I'm going to die, that is not real. And for me, I need to test my wings, you know. I need to have at times a little anxiety to just know that for starters, I'm not going to die. Second, I'm not going to stay in this dysfunctional situation. So anxiety, the more self-love you can develop, the more resilience. Resilience is a word that I didn't know what it meant a few years ago. And now I can feel like I've built so much resilience. It's like I have this emotional muscles that I, I was not, I did never think that I could have like this capacity 
to be with fear, to be with anxiety, to be with hardship. I have always, you know, wanted to leave the ship. And I consider the ship to be me. And I'm going to stick with me for the rest of my life. I'm going to, you know, evolve with me. I'm going to develop my love and care for me. And I'm not going to let myself down again. This is really... And I'm sure that you know what your original wound is, what's triggering your anxiety. And uh, I must really want to emphasize what I said the last... um, episode maybe it's not the last episode maybe I will mix this randomly so I won't say it but when I spoke about that the lessons that come to us is not meant for us to break down and go low we are supposed to evolve and grow and heal I feel that that's also anxiety's work it's it's a clue anxiety is a clue to tell us something that we are doing or how we are living right now at this very moment is not the way. Because if it was the way, we would be at peace. This is the thing. So anxiety tells us that something is not right. And it's not about other people, about they are being right or wrong, or they are doing this to us, yes or no. It's about us. My anxiety is a clue to me. Before I tried to get rid of anxiety, my own anxiety, by forcing my ex-husband to stop doing what he was doing, to stop drinking, to stop, you know, jeopardizing his family, to stop driving like this, to stop. And it didn't give me any anxiety relief. At times, when him and I were alone in Spain, um, but the thing is, he still drank, but at least I was safe there because he was with me. So I become like, you know, uh, one of my anxiety releases or reliefs was that he was close to me. If I kept him close, then I knew what he was doing and I was in control. So I think this also is a thing about anxiety. We desperately need control. We want to be in control, to be in charge over our emotions, uh, what is happening, the outcome. We want to be in control of the past. We want to be in control of what we feel about the past. We want to heal the past. We want to be in control of the future, what is going to happen in the future, how we're going to feel about the future, and, and to just realize that we have no control. We have no control whatsoever. Like right now, in this instant, you can hear me fall from my chair and just have a heart attack and die. We have no idea. And to the more we embrace this fact that we have no idea what's going to happen the next moment or the next moment. In our lives, how much control do we then have of other people? So... This has been a bit longer than I planned. Um, So I would say if I wrap it up a little, I would say that to me, anxiety, it stems from my childhood traumas. It gets triggered today a lot from what caused me the biggest pain, which was losing my husband and the way they came and told me. And I understand 
that the anxiety that gets triggered today is actually a clue to protect me, to show me the way. And for me, it's crucial to handle anxiety in a healthy way and not go drinking alcohol, doing drugs, use other people for sex or love. Even the manipulative thought, you know, that you call a friend just because you're anxious or you call you you kind of use other people also to to have an anxiety relief and i feel if you have really good relationships and you know that you and your friends you share things with each other and you're not just using them to to soothe you of course we call friends but i think also anxiety is like a wake up call for us to wake up to really see that okay I must act now. There's something in my surrounding that is affecting me that I actually should look at. What is it? We can begin to write, to, to just write down what happened to me in the past. What connection does this situation, event, location have to these events in the past? Why is it so triggering for me? What kind of fear is arising? For me, it's the fear that that person is going to die and then I'm going to die. So for me, this fear is not like a mini, tiny, kind of easy thing. It's life or death. And maybe that is what anxiety is for all of us. I don't know that. But for me, anxiety is about life and death. Because it can lead to the point when someone dies and then I need to go kill myself. And this is not the way. This is not the way for anyone to live. So it's very, very important to look at anxiety and see what causes it. Uh, if it's a feeling of not being good enough or being, you know, um, losing someone or being, you know, judged. I think there are millions of things that can trigger anxiety because we have so many different backgrounds. But I'm sharing mine with yours to maybe give you some idea where you can look. So... So look at the original wounds, look at the events in your life that have triggered that original wound, if it has been a repeti repetitive, do you say that? Okay, a pattern in your life, it happens again and again and again, and uh, then come to, really, we need to have this, find this compassion, this love, this support, and also understand that anxiety is not a threat in itself. We're often extremely alone with our anxiety. Anxiety is not the person holding a knife to our throat, you know. It's often ourselves alone in our bedroom, feeling totally shitty. So anxiety is something that we should learn to look at, not be afraid of. Maybe consider a friend who is guiding us in the situation to actually change and grow and heal and evolve. So this is my little um, wrap-up. I'm going to read uh, from my book something that I feel is comfort com comforting. My book says on page 8, what it says, nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists, herein lies the peace of God.
to me that is very comforting. Nothing unreal exists and nothing real can be threatened. So anxiety and fear and how we handle it It's very, very difficult to wrap something up, to stop something. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on, but I don't have the time and you don't have the time for sure because you have your own anxiety to deal with. So I'm going to go out, make some breakfast to my kiddos and um, it's a new day. Today is the day before New Year's Eve. Uh, I hope that you're all calm and peaceful and in harmony. I mean, the feelings that we really, really want is to be at peace and to be at har in harmony with other people. And anxiety is a total hindrance in that. So, so to work on our anxiety is very, very important. And then it's also really, really good to try your wings a little, to not fear anxiety and to just see, okay, now it comes again, so, and work on it, because I feel that the more we work on it, the more resilience we build, the more we can manage anxiety, the more capable we are to handle it, and the less it affects us. Things that used to trigger my anxiety to the panic level before, they almost doesn't touch me today. So there is a lot of hope I would say there's a lot of... If if I, who has been like anxiety-driven and ridden my whole life, if I can be at least, at, I would say, 50% of my life at peace, then anyone can. You can trust me on that. Okay, I wish you a lovely day before New Year's Eve. Maybe you're not listening to this today of course you're not because i haven't published it yet but i'm going to okay wherever you are in whatever state of mind you are i wish you peace okay Puss.